Kami, play We're All Yankovics. Playing We're All Yankovics theme song. Welcome back to We're All Yankovics. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, yeah, today uh, we have back, uh, he's the guy who finished off last season with us, Oh yeah, uh, Nathan Rabin. Nathan! Hey, glad to be back. Yeah, Welcome we're back. glad to have you back. Or at least, yes, uh, for, for more than just one more minute. <laughs> oh, uh, there we go. Well, yeah. and he's, uh, he's, he's already leaked it. He's already told us what we're talking about today. Uh, one more minute, uh, Nathan thinks it's better than we gave him the ratings of. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Nathan, they... Opening our arguments. What? what why is this song? Uh, you said you were. This song was one of your top three, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely my top three. It's kind of when people ask you what your favorite Weird Al Yankovic song is. It's kind of like your favorite movie, uh, and that it makes my brain hurt because <laughs> uh, what could be better? It's also objective. It's, it's also objective. It's also subjective. Uh, it's all about art and who can rank and compare. But then the entire uh, industry is, is built upon those sorts of things. Uh, but yeah, One More Minute is a song that I really, really, really love. And one of the many things that I talk about in my second book about uh, Weird Al, the weird accordion to Al, is how, you know, one of his sort of tropes, uh, one of his conventions is that he will write a really, really messed up song about something really dark and dysfunctional and tormented uh, literally ripping his heart out uh and then the, the music will just be so pretty uh and so soft and just the contrast between the two is so delightful and that's one of my very favorite kinds of uh i guess kind of varieties of what songs is the incredibly messed up song lyrically that is just gorgeous like like a soft satin pillow is <laughs> uh, how i think of, of the music for one more minute you know it's kind of based on you know, sort of Elvis and are you lonesome tonight and, and that kind of, you know, sort of tender, uh, you know, almost a vibrato kind of thing. And I also just, I love Al's performance here. It's so emotional. Uh, obviously, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, feverish emotion uh, pitched to a comical extent, but there's still, uh, I think, this kind of core of like genuine heartbreak, of genuine hurt. Uh, that I think yeah, kind of gives uh, one more minute sort of an emotional uh, charge, in addition to being a very funny, a very dark exploration of romance, which is another big theme. You know, I, I talk about his creepy Casanovas, uh, but in instances like this, you know, he, he's sometimes the victim. Uh, he's not always the the, the 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 perpetrator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do. I guess my biggest compliment for this song is I always am surprised to remember that this is off Dare to be Stupid. I don't know why. Really? This feels very, I mean, because because I guess I'm used to all his other love songs that have come later. And so I just wrap this into the rest of those. And, and then you go Dare to be Stupid. And you're like, oh, wow, this is still early Al, which is really cool, I think. Although I think we should we should put the words love in ironic quotation marks. Well, yeah, 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 right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that it is entire oeuvre. There's there's an entire it's actually oh, it's funny, that's a word that he gave me a lot of crap for him. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And I, I, I don't want I don't want to tell tales out of school or anything, but uh, after seeing his introduction, I thought, hmm, that is a subtle way of perhaps indicating that I'm overusing this <laughs> word. 
So I, I cut it all out. So oh, now, nice. Weird Al seems like he's insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. But words that never even appears. Oh, you took all of it out? <laughs> no, no, no. He has at least one because I read it. I was thinking, I, I think I read one as well. We both read the first chapter. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to wait to get it actually in my hands before I read more. <laughs> it's 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 a great. I mean, I, I think it looks really great in PDF and good as an ebook. But yeah, there's no uh, excuse. There's no replacement. Right. No, yeah. Well, we'll get to the book later, Steve. Let's, okay, let's okay. finish the Whatever. debate. <laughs> it's it's relevant. Yes, yes, it is. It's very relevant. <laughs> to what uh, he said. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's another reason why I have such a high affection for it is from that that prime era of Weird Al's career. Where yeah, there's just obviously all of his albums are amazing. Uh, but yeah, there, I think that one two punch of in 3d and dare to be stupid which yeah. are definitely a top five uh, both of them uh it's just like coming into his own as an artist and really establishing himself in all these different ways and i think this is part of it is that you know as you said this sounds very different yeah. from the other kind of stuff uh, that he was recording on this that he was recording on, on uh, in 3d so yeah i like that it does seem to you know uh anticipate some of his later work uh, sort of in, in terms of the anti-ballot yes yes yeah uh steve what mm-hmm. so why why did we give it just a middling rating do you think well, i don't uh, i don't know no i'm looking at it our ranking you gave it a three yeah so i actually didn't do bad i gave it a four. Oh, okay i i i would have to re-listen to it which i did not do this morning um, <laughs> <laughs> but i i think maybe because it there are for me other songs that are more like elite in my mind that I I didn't want to give this didn't want to give too many a five which I ended up doing way too many anyway <laughs> I think I did like seventeen fives <laughs> like this didn't make it for me but it was close I gave it a four um, you're, you're like you're like Homer Simpson as a restaurant critic yes I love everything, <laughs> everything. I'm so easy seventeen stars <laughs> yes I know I mean I'm such an easy audience and there's so many songs that I love I, I felt I think what it was was during this recording I was like. I, I can't keep giving everything fives. Um, yeah. And I had to compare it with, like, actually with Dare to be Stupid, which I, is one of my very favorites, and it's in the same album. Like, I just don't like it as much as I like that. So that was for me personally. I'm not sure what Charlie was thinking. Give him a three. <laughs> that is a great song. I, I remember hearing this song. I think the first time I actually heard no, I No, I heard it when I got the album, but the video I saw when I first watched um, The Complete Owl on on VHS <laughs> when I saw that it's like I actually saw the video because I didn't get high airplay on MTV but I love that video the performance is fantastic such a great video so I don't, I don't know what I would I probably should have given it more of a 4.5 you know, yeah 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 I've had kind of the same thing when I was writing the book you know is not every song is a masterpiece not every song is dare to be stupid yeah. uh, but it was never I was never attacking a song I mean there was always like a disappointment or that he kind of missed the mark but, uh, yeah, again, I feel like uh, it's a work of criticism, but also of appreciation, yeah. you know, and understanding and, and appreciation beyond, you know, yeah, this is not the Rolling Stone record guide, you know, I love all of this, you know, and and explicating what makes the best of the best, you know. Mm-hmm. I think we should also, we would be remiss in not pointing out that One More Minute contains Riddell's only masturbation joke. Yep. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and also that it is a very good masturbation joke uh, in the lines. Because I'm stranded all alone in the gas station of love. And I have to use the self-service pumps. And I don't think any of us got um, that at the time. Yeah, I don't know I how, can... how dirty of a 10-year-old you no, were. But... I think it was like 12 or 13. I think it was like that Eureka moment. 
holy crap, he's getting dirty. Yep. He got a little bit dirty on this song. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I lovingly referenced this uh, in the polka where he uh, covers uh, the divinals, I Touch Myself. Uh-huh. I refer to her as being a woman who finds herself stranded all alone uh-huh. in the gas station of love <laughs> uh, and has to use a self-service pump. I was actually... So again, and that was, I think, part of, part of the, the wittiness is that he did a masturbation joke that was clever enough that it would fly completely over the heads of kids. Yeah. But adults would get it. And it also get like an additional level out of this song. It's a little bit dirty, which isn't really true of almost anything else uh, that Al does. And that I, I think I, I point out in the end of the book as well that it says a lot about our kind of puritanical culture that he talks about ripping out his intestines. Yeah, he talks about incredibly violent, like horror film imagery. And we are not talking about that. But he's like, "Oh, I'm sad, so I'm masturbating." I'm like, whoa, can't have that. Crazy there, weird Al. <laughs> Past the, you, you know, uh, cross the limit, you know, you cross the line. Yeah. Too transgressive. <laughs> Can't you just slit your wrists open or something more pure like that, you know? How yeah, dare I, think you? Lot, I think we're a lot more, uh, a lot more comfortable with ultraviolence, yeah. even in Weird Al songs, than Weird. we are with sex uh, in a lot of different ways. And honestly, I, I should take that into my mind when I think about when this song comes out, because this, the, definitely, the the sort of edgier sort of punkiness of, of, of a line like that definitely gets worn. The edges of Al get a little bit worn off as he goes through time. And it's the first couple of albums that really have this a little bit more harder, darker stuff to it yeah. that gets lessened as it goes on. And so the, I, I should, I should completely think about that joke when I think about this song and go, it has to be off the first couple albums. I disagree. Cause I think there's other stuff later. That's just like, you know, in God of your lover and like Christmas at ground zero and, you know, night Santa went crazy. I, I think he keeps, get, keeps the edge throughout. There's, it's just scattered in the middle of the albums, you know, maybe not so much all of his released stuff, but I, I don't think maybe, he really lost Maybe it's that. just the masturbation edge yeah. that, that I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah, maybe just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this and, you know, like you said, in the polka, I touched myself. I was thinking of that when you said only only masturbation joke. Like, well, what about I touch? Well, like, it's not really a joke. It's just actually repeating a song. So yeah, yeah. It's, it he did it. Yeah, he didn't exactly. make a joke. He just repeated a line. So, yeah, I agree. I, that doesn't come up very often for him <laughs> ever again. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's part of what's kind of interesting is that he sort of uh, talks about love and romance and sex. And I use all three of those in ironic quotation marks <laughs> from this very weird, awkward distance, you know? And I think when you're a kid, that kind of makes sense because yeah. you also kind of see it through, like, it's this weird, gross thing that you don't really understand. Sex and romance is a weird, gross thing yeah. that people involved in it do not understand, or at least the narrators uh, and the guy. And again, you, you feel bad for the women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, a little speak- bit bad for the men because they? Yeah, I really do not understand what's going on, but you feel much, much worse for for the women that they're involved with. True. Speaking of the women, uh, in in the video, he rips up a picture, uh, and I think we've had it rumored that that's actually the picture of the girlfriend that he had broken oh, up yeah. with before this album came out, and and sort of was the inspiration for the song. Do you 
know if that's true or I I I, I vaguely remember because I interviewed him about this for the AB Club. I did a set list thing. We talked about a bunch of yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we use that a lot in our research. And I know such a such a groovy guy was based on somebody, mm-hmm. uh, an ex girlfriend uh, described uh, him uh, to uh, Al. Uh, anyway, oh my goodness, that is a ridiculous human being. There totally is a song there. And I believe this is one as well, and I think that is again the kind of adds an uh, an element of emotional uh, heartbreak of genuine emotion to what is obviously a very very silly song about a grotesquely uh you know uh overwrought emotions but yeah there is a sense of like genuine you know uh you know the sort of the stuff that he's building upon uh that elvis stuff you know there is some of that trembling emotion even though it's taken in such an extreme and outrageous and bizarre direction yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I think it's about time for Steve wait, to make wait, an apology. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> yes, you have yes. not gotten... He said, why did you rank it so low? And I, I only answered I said, I don't know what's up with Charlie. Why did Charlie rank it so low? And you haven't defended yourself. Why did you give it a three, to. Charlie? I'm just the host. You're oh, the no. you're the hurt. You are the one who get who dragged the average of this so- song down to a 3.3. <laughs> no, no, that was Kim. <laughs> Kim also gave it a three, our, our guest, <laughs> But you gave it a three as well, so... I want to know why. I I, I personally think, I want I want a, a possible uh, look at these lyrics. They're lyrics like I'd rather have my blood sucked out by leeches, shove an ice pick under a toenail or two, rather clean all the bathrooms in Grand Central Station with my tongue, and then spend one more. Like these are incredibly violent, messed up yeah. uh, imagery. And one of the uh, drafts of, of my book, uh, one of the things that got cut is jokes. Uh, something you discover when you're rewriting and rewriting writing is you generally do not need jokes and jokes that you think are really, really funny. You know, the sixth or seventh time just aren't that funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I have this this, this one extended riff in one of the drafts of the book where uh, Method Man, a young Method Man, <laughs> uh, was, was, was thinking about what his first uh, Wu-Tang Clan skit was going to be. And he was listening to this particular word, this song. Uh, and it suddenly you know, introduced this whole idea of horrorcore and violent imagery and, and torture, and that became the horrorcore aesthetic for you know Lieutenant Clan and then Grave Diggers and, and Insane Clown Posse. And as you can see, totally, totally okay getting cut. Uh, yeah. Made it to like the sixth or seventh draft, and feeling like, and this is funny <laughs> to you. It's not going to be funny to other people. Uh, so yeah. The process of sifting and winnowing uh, oh, yeah, that's kind no. of what made it, you know, that uh, you learn that you can you can kill your babies uh, and you can kill them surprisingly easily. You know, that was kind of the uh, kind of the essence of writing. You know, the essence of writing is rewriting. I felt like that's that's what it was for my book. Yeah, I think I think I might have lowered this one just a little bit because it it didn't have nostalgia for me because I definitely, there are definitely the big hits that I heard when I was young, but I didn't really go deep with Al until I was a little bit older. And so like uh, off the deep end is sort of my hardcore album with Al where I got like, listen, I got the whole thing and listened to all the tracks. And so how how old were you when when that came out? uh, I would have been a high schooler at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, his, his line is that, you know, everybody's favorite Weird Al album is uh, the one that came out when you were 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably a little older than that, but for some reason I had just hadn't gotten the albums yet. But I still, li- like, I listened to Dr. Demento at that time. I just right, right, right. physically bought one of the albums yet. I mean, it was technically a CD, I think, too. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Mine, Got into the CD era. I, th- I think my first yeah. couple were tapes. 
Yeah. Uh, although, yeah, I think yeah, one of my first all-time first uh, albums. Albums. We're, we're in 3D. You know, I remember like opening the package and like gazing in awe at the back of it. And it, yeah, it's been nice. I bought uh, been doing it with my son. Yeah. Who has turned into a hardcore Weird Al super fan. That's awesome. So showing him uh, what vinyl looks like and then the technology and watching all the videos. Yeah, it is really, really nice kind of reliving it all through him. It is good. <laughs> I'm doing that with my kid too, my little one. Oh, yeah. a huge Al fan as well. It's so much fun. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, I guess I had to apologize. Yes, huh? you do. <laughs> oh, fine, Nathan. I apologize. No. Um, I, I Bauer, don't... Bauer. I'm corrupted with Bauer. I know. Please, let me grovel like before you. Game. I don't know what I was thinking. This really, in retrospect, should have been a 5 or at least a 4.5. I should have helped drag the average of this one up a little bit because Charlie wasn't listening to Reason, apparently. I, I should have I should have been the, the bigger man and given this the 5 that it deserves because this is a classic. It is fantastic. The video is great. And, and the fact that he was like, like I'm going to stick with like the rumor. I think it's true. that, that He had the balls to rip up a picture of his <laughs> girlfriend in a video on national TV, basically. Like, no, screw you, and ripped her picture up. I, I'm... I'm having faith that that was actually her. I think that, like, really alone gives this a five. He, he's so rock star, and I don't know what I was thinking. I apologize for my, my <laughs> lack of, you know, enthusiasm what, for this song. One of the better comments from our podcast about this uh-huh. is the question of whether or not his beef with his ex-girlfriend then was bigger or smaller than the beef with Coolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ripped up a picture of Coolio. And which one was he more scared of? You know what I mean? Probably like, the girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. I keep I keep thinking of uh, pitching uh, a list, you know, ten Weird Al songs that prove that Al is dark AF. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this would definitely be be, be one of them. I like the, the maskism gets pretty intense here. You know, yes, I'd rather jump naked on a huge pile of thumbtacks, stick my nostrils together with crazy glue, dive into a swimming pool filled with double edged razor blades. That is a yeah. very very vivid, very very strong image. Yeah, uh, and again, he can get away with it because he's Al and yeah. he's very genial, and we assume the best of him correctly. I mean, that also because the music is so pretty, and his singing you know, is also very uh, good. Job. It gets to you, you know, yeah. it gets to you somewhere right in the gut. <laughs> yeah. I also, I also uh, thinking about that again. Uh, the lyrics, he's doing it all to himself, so it's at least yeah. only violent to himself, yeah. and that that yeah. at least is, especially for the time period, very very unique. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not doing anything to the woman; right. he's completely leaving her alone. Uh, the the malt shop is the closest thing he gets to like <laughs> being destructive towards her. But that is true. yeah, yeah. But so, that's that's. But again, I'd like to imagine that the malt shop was, was closed. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. He burned it down. Yeah. I think that this guy obviously has a lot of problems, but he's not going to burn down a malt shop. Where then also like the just nostalgia element of malt shops don't really exist. Yeah. yeah so, like exactly. he's gonna go back into the 1960s and burn down the malt shop that they used to go to. Yeah. He's gonna build a time machine. He's so tormented <laughs> by this romance. Yeah, I never really thought about that. It is kind of set in the 50s. Yeah. Well, that's because it's the style of the music, I know, too. But so. I never, yeah, yeah, I just never made that connection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is kind of also set in the 50s. Yeah, okay. Not just style-wise. Cool. Yeah. Well, the other reason we wanted you to, ha- to have you on this show, Nathan, is so you could talk about the release of your newest book. Uh, yeah. We talked about it before when we uh, talked about uh, kickstarting 
uh, and and that, and I think both Steve and I both kickstarted your your book, but now it's actually seeing the light of day. And uh, yeah, you're welcome. We did it. Yeah, no, no. Yay! <laughs> uh, and I just want to say I've been reading some of it, and and it is it's really good. I really enjoy. I I was a little. I wasn't sure how you were going to put those disparate uh, posts together in a book that seemed cohesive. And I, and at least based on what I've read so far, it, it's, it's really good. Yeah. It's really, it flows from one song to another in a way that makes a lot of sense, I think. Agreed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My kind of my, my, my fear uh, with this is books about comedy tend not to do that well uh, because deconstructing it, you know, there's this idea that you take the joy out of it, yeah. you know, explaining how a joke works. Uh, makes that joke less funny or at least uh, pretentious or is an element of that. And I have found that that's not necessarily true. Uh, and again, I kind of, when I was conceiving of uh, the recording, oh, there was a year of that I would just end up repeating the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, <laughs> Pat Oswald was just kind enough to be the first person to work my book. Uh, oh, cool. I, I joked with him that, that I worried that uh, the book would be the moment in the uh, funnier die parody that Al did of like walk the line and all those, you know, sort of very melodramatic uh, music biopics uh, where, where uh, Pat Oswald as Dr. Demento goes. And then he took the song and changed the lyrics to be about food. <laughs> <laughs> I worried that my book was going to be that times 400 pages. Ooh, you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I just, what I discovered is that there's so much depth there and there's so much shit going on. And like each era of, uh, Weird Al's work is kind of distinct, uh, is very, uh, it, it dis- uh, distinguished. And we have like the 1980s was kind of the, you know, the golden age, the, 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 the boom, you know, kind of his first 10 years of recording, he released eight albums, you know, that kind of the hunger, uh, and, and ambition of a young man especially as young as al and his band were there's nothing quite like it um and then yeah, you kind of move on to the 90s those are sort of the, the tv uh, and, and the movie years when kind of everything's about these big blockbusters and there was kind of this level of commercial calculation that wasn't necessarily there before um and then in the aughts that kind of became the, the computer age and, and the era of mastery and, and yeah every single era of work every single album every single single you spend this much well you guys know you yeah. spend each time obsessing about something yep. you come to know it very very well you come to know it on a granular level yeah you know you come to know where every single song fits together you come to see the themes um and again this, this has been this wonderful experience where i love al's music so much more at the end of this project uh than i did at the start and i and loved it at the beginning you know i mean i wrote mm-hmm. the book on it uh but that was part of this too was that uh you know eight nine years ago al chose me to write his coffee table book and i think i did a pretty good job on it i think i'd give yeah. myself a b on yeah. that just like i'd give myself like a b for the column but i'd give myself an a for the book you know because i was able to take what was good about the column and uh, you know, uh, realize it in, in its purest form, you know, convince it like a diamond and then cut out all the bullshit yeah. <laughs> and all the spelling errors and all the typos and all the places where I repeat it. And a lot of it too is just like when I was writing the column, 
my goal was to write 600 to 1,000 entertaining words about a, uh, a song, you know, to be as big and funny and goofy and loose and goofy as possible. And then when I was rewriting the book, it was to make everything as short, uh, <laughs> tight, and, and, and as funny and insightful as humanly possible. Um, and yeah, I just, every draft, it just got better and better and better. And then Al volunteered to copy edit it, something that may or may have not been Links to his utter mortification and visceral <laughs> horror and my grammar. Oh, uh, yeah, I kind of wrote it about, uh, in, in, in the column about how I felt very implicated by the song Word Crimes. Uh, <laughs> it felt like it was just basically a straightforward criticism. Uh, and then I got my first notes from him, and he's like, wow, this is a really great book, and I'm absolutely mortified. <laughs> you think this is grammatically correct? <laughs> and I have this fear that, you know, in the, in the two days he spent uh, copy editing my book, he was going to, like, release his next album. <laughs> he was going to record it all in, like, a flurry of inspiration. <laughs> oh, God. God. His most, you know, raw and ragged masterpiece is like, hmm, I can either do album number 15 or I can fix this dunce's grammar. Uh, <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, uh, and I like to think, you know, that it's was good and that, you know, this very worthwhile book about his career and his life, you know, that hopefully will lead people to appreciate him even more um but yeah there's part of me that feels guilt uh you know that uh, he could have been doing something much more important uh when when he was helping me out no i i i think i think it's awesome his intro's great um i also wanted to talk about like like you were talking about like going through the ages is something that both us and like the weird alphabet boys um we 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 specifically i think i i know we did i think they might have also specifically went through to not do it in a, a chronological order because i th- i felt like we were it would have been it would have been neat to see the growth but it would have been a little repetitive for us but in a book form it you can flow from one to the other in a way that makes a lot more sense and show more of a I don't know because of it's a visual visual medium or something. It just it feels more flowy yeah. uh, by doing that, and it's and it is. It's neat to see the changes over time that you're able to point out yeah. because you're doing it in chronological order. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is, is utterly unique about Al is that his albums are so formulaic yeah. uh, in the sense that he does the exact same thing album after album after album in terms of happy facetious, uh, half parodies, the, the polka song, uh, the first track on every album being you know the big one. Yeah. Uh, parody, the big hit, the one you want MTV to pick up. <laughs> or you want in a universe in which MTV existed and was relevant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, I never think that like for most people, you know, the word formulaic it has a very negative, negative connotation. But with Al, it does not, uh, because he never should have happened in the first place. You know, some crazy kid playing the accordion, making silly songs about food. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's like four decades from now we'll be contemplating his legacy. There's <laughs> books written about him, but he did it, and he did it because he 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 found this way forward you know he found this path and he's the only person in the world on this path you know nobody else does an album where they do half parodies or half know, maybe they do uh but they have not risen to a level of prominence and they've allowed him to stay in the game for all of this time and it's 
crazy. I mean, physically, he looks as young as he did when he was 30 years old. If anything, he looks younger because he doesn't have the mustache. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, crazy. And, and the crazy hair. And, you know, he's kind of found this this uh, fountain of youth, you know. And part of what also made uh, writing this book such a joy is that I'm not just writing about Ray Lincoln. I'm writing about everybody parodied. I'm writing about the art of pastiche. I'm writing about comedy. Because uh, I think, you know, when I was a film critic, I thing was i can write about anything through writing about movies yeah and i feel like i'm able to write about anything in the world by writing about riddle yank yeah, and yeah. then after kidding you know because they're deep resonant themes and all this stuff i mean you know kind of the most obvious being sort of consumerism uh and consumption uh you know but also technology and food and you know I've just lived with this. And that's also what I think part of this book was about, was I feel like everybody, every every nerd has a relationship with Randall Yankovic, yep. you know, and yep. his music, and he's kind of this, you know, sort of mentor guide figure. Uh, and I had that, and then at a certain point, he's like, hey, I want you to work with me. Uh, and that was really cool, and that changed things. And I think that's part of the reason why I wrote this book, was I felt like I had... Uh, uh, that gave me a certain authority uh, <laughs> when I came to writing about Alan. Yeah, certainly. I, mean, I did not feel like an expert when I began this project. I feel like something of an expert now. And my son will ask me questions about Al's music. And I'm like, you know, their dads will provide you more financial security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or safety. You will never have a dad who will give you more accurate information about the career <laughs> and history of Weird Al Yankovic. And it's great. I mean, like he, he, he understands uh, parody. Like he'll, he'll recognize Dr. Demento when he sees him. And oh, cool. Being a big, big dork, I'm like, it will be so much to me to, to leave my Weird Al shrine to somebody who will appreciate it. Right. Yeah, totally. It's so fulfilling. Like when yeah. I'm in the car with my, with my kid and like uh, – a few days ago, um, I saw my Rage Against the Machine came on, and instantly my, my kid in the backseat was like, oh, oh, I'll sue you. I'm like, yes! <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. You got it. <laughs> it's funny because he, uh, and that's the other thing too, is you kind of you understand more kind of the essence of, of Al's career. You know, like, Jurassic Park has never been my favorite song. As I sort of said in my mm-hmm. book, I feel like with Al there are songs of... Uh, songs of uh, opportunity and then songs of inspiration right. uh, and the songs of opportunity are the ones that sound a lot like you know the big hits where you can kind of tweak it just a little bit so it can be about the big movie of the moment or the big song of the moment the girls eating lunch yeah <laughs> that's kind of the worst possible thing there but then you know like i like jurassic park you know like my son has watched that like a thousand times yeah and he's watched the video over and over and over and he's like why isn't there a weird Al clay video for every single song and i'm like i'm angry at god for the same reason there but I, it makes so like yeah this song exists so that a five-year-old can watch it over and over uh-huh. and over and over again and fall in love with it and watch the video and you know say what's and then the other thing too is like there are all these jokes and references and i get all of them because that's the way my weird nerd brain works uh but again even stuff like you know watching him on youtube uh i feel like he's such a prescient figure in so many different ways one of which is that he's like the ultimate youtube performer because he's so intelligent friendly and he has so much stuff i mean i was thinking about this recently like i wonder if all of the al tv segments are like exist somewhere I, and in a perfect world so. they could like be released in like a giant box set because like that is such an important fascinating part of his career yeah. uh, that like 
you don't see anymore unless like you go and watch old YouTube clips of LTV, which I actually started doing before he had me to write his book. Like something that was like me putting into the universe so that I was like yeah. getting back to Weird Al Yankovic. Get to work uh, on that. That's yeah. your next project. Put that together. Yeah, Talk well, to that's, that's, to that's the fun. <laughs> like I've I've done all of his official releases, and I feel like there's so much beyond that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Speaking of Jurassic Park, uh, I haven't finished your book yet, but any Theodore Rex references? Because I know that was a big thing on the website. <laughs> That's true. I actually, I, I think I cut down on a lot of the self-indulgent silliness. Uh, <laughs> I included it, you know, here and there. You know, there are lots of Easter eggs. There are a lot of references. There are a lot of cross-references. Yeah. Uh, but but no references to, to T-Rex. Oh, uh, there is a like yeah, there are a bunch of kind of inside jokes on uh, on the cover, some of which ended up being more and more prescient than I imagined. Uh, one of which is as the the Jeopardy screen. They have the Jeopardy one where I was the Jeopardy question. Ooh, uh, nice. uh, yeah, and then I don't think uh, Philippe planned this, but on the cover there is a Strunken writes a guide to word crimes, uh, and it is right next to Hal's name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, as I say in the book, uh, I, I, I hired him as a cunning linguist who could help me distinguish what was proper English. Yes, right. yes. Uh, another fun thing is uh, my wife and I were just watching um, Jeopardy, the greatest of mm-hmm. all time Jeopardy. And in the first round, uh, they asked the question about Patrick Nagel. Nagel, is that the artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, was, I had literally just read that word in your book. And so I was like, oh, and I, I looked totally smart, but I definitely won't remember remember his name tomorrow but like last night i had just read it so i'm like yeah look at this this is awesome so there you go well that's that's another one of the great things about writing this book is just how often his old songs come to be incredibly newly irrelevant you know like what's the biggest thing that's like happening in pop culture right now star wars and yoda yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What, what what are two of Al's biggest songs ever? You know, like my Bologna uh, became a bigger song 35 years after its release because it was in Stranger Things, even Jeopardy. You know, yeah. it's like Al played probably a, a fairly sizable role in reminding people that this show. Because another thing that people don't necessarily think about is that like Jeopardy wasn't on the air. No, like, totally. Part of Jeopardy, and it wasn't the Alex Trebek Jeopardy. It was an older version of Jeopardy. Um, but as like, you know, George of the Jungle, like he reminds people like, hey, these things exist. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like he's some sort of necromancer. <laughs> bringing, bringing these things back to life. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Cool, cool. As we wrap up, uh, what is in the all the research that you've ever done for Al, uh, what is the most interesting fact that you've come up with that you didn't know beforehand um and i might you might have just said it but uh oh this is well this is interesting one of the nice things also about writing this book over a period of three years is that i had three years to figure out interesting things about uh al you know mm-hmm. to like round up facts information and it wasn't until like i was nearly done with the final edit that i realized uh that the line in uh Another one rides the bus. Uh, I haven't huh. been to a show like this since I went to see The Who. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, that, that must be like, oh, that's just like I went to a crowded rock and roll show. Yeah. Oh, uh, didn't know. <laughs> all I was like, yeah, I read that like the 40th anniversary of The, of the uh, Who uh, stampede. Like, oh, no. Like, there were horrible deaths. Like 11 people were stampeded right. at a Who show. And in this silly comedy song, he's referencing being on an unpleasant bus ride. Yeah. To being in a situation where he watched people die horrible deaths in front of him. Yeah, so that gave that me a, dark. A kind of 
renewed appreciation and how incredibly dark uh, of a sentiment that really right. is. Uh, and, and again, you know, one of those uh, 10 moments where Weird Al got dark AF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I have many, many, many observations uh, like that. Um, another, another, one of the final observations was I was watching uh, an abomination called the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which you guys might know for it inspired the uh, Simpsons spinoff uh, Extravaganza. Yeah, where yeah. Their magical movie. Yeah. And yeah, I was watching uh, their introductory number. <laughs> it's the Brady's, including Mike Brady, architect? Question mark. Yep. yep. Uh, and they're singing, like, you know, uh, Sweet Charity, like some old time song, and then they're meddling it with uh, Love to Love You, Baby. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Which, you know, is like the song where Donna Summer has an orgasm for like seven and a half minutes. Uh, <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah. like, oh, that's part of what the parody, but the medleys are about, are about like in the 1970s on television, on like really horrible television shows. There were all of these medleys and they were all terrible and they just reduced great music into mosh. You know, yeah. they just reduced it to just this, this commercial product, just this, this fodder all. And we're like, oh, so that's part of kind of the, 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 um, the primordial ooze, uh, sort of out of which the, these medleys uh, sort of sort of came, and part of their satirical function, at least in the beginning, was to make fun of medleys, you yeah. know, and television medleys, and the way that they took good music and reduced it to absolute crap. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that was nice, you know, yeah. just kind of three wow. years in that I was still having new insight into this music and I was still learning new stuff about it that I could, you know, sort of use to, to, to enhance my, uh, my project and my book. That's cool. I was reading the first chapter, like we said, and you, I read that, what you said about the, uh, the who concert. Well, I had known about that, but I didn't realize it was that close. I thought the who thing was like early seventies. I didn't know it was like within no. a year. <laughs> that makes it even darker than I ever thought it was. I, I think I explained that reference to Charlie when we were doing it. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, did you know what that was? And he didn't know. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a stampede, a who concert. And like, I thought it was like maybe 73 or four. I read that on your book. Like, no, it was not that close to when it was released. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that is really, really ballsy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very much, very much. But again, you know, he was kind of a kid who had nothing to yeah, lose. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's you know, awesome. He just was like, <laughs> but he wasn't like, oh man, this might compromise my decades long career yeah, right. recording <laughs> art. It's you funny. <laughs> but awesome thank you so much uh nathan for coming on uh can you tell uh our our listeners uh where you want them to go to get the book yeah sure 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 uh it, as of the moment it is only available on amazon mm-hmm. uh it is available on a uh, as, a, as a kindle it's available for as a paperback for 27 dollars uh i very much recommend the paperback it's uh, when i was a kid i used to read letter mall and film guides yeah uh, and video watchdogs and like keys in my bathroom and i'd like leaf through them uh, when I was, you know, uh, relieving myself. Uh, and I feel like this is sort of the, the millennial Gen X version of that. And instead of, you know, looking up a Braxis or brain scan, you can look up, you know, Party in the Leper Colony or, or uh, Biggest Ball of the Twine in Minnesota. And I think it reads really, really good as a book. I make a really coherent, cohesive, ambitious argument for him as an important satirist. But you can yeah. also just pick and read. You know, you can read it piecemeal, you can read it here and there, pick it up and put it down. It's a lot of fun, and there are a lot of really great uh, illustrations. Yeah, yeah, really all the all the pictures are all great. Are, yeah, and a lot of them are, like, really, really obscure. Like, I kind of just assumed that, you know, I gave him a list of uh, songs I wanted him to uh, illustrate, and he pretty much threw them out and decided he'd write about what he wanted to do. <laughs> uh, but then he went and he, like, listened to all of Al's songs in a really... Uh, 
detail, you know, and he kind of came up with these really awesome, weird, obscure uh, illustrations. Uh, yeah. I was blown away by it. Like, I would laugh out loud, and I'd uh, bring my wife over, and I'd be like, oh, my God, look what he did. So, yeah, we were really, really proud of what we have, and it took three years uh, to do it. Uh, but, yeah. I could not be happier uh, or more excited to bring it to the world. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a little torn about how to read your book because I don't know if I want to I, I don't know if I want to binge it or if I want to like just save it and like one one song a night after you know listen to the song first and then open up the book and read just about that one song huh. and and pro prolong it for a good like three months. You know what I mean? Like wow. I, oh, it's, it's funny it's funny you say that actually because uh, one of the things I'm doing to kind of promote is I'm rerunning the series uh, yeah. that, that inspired it as the big squeeze. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm including all of the original entries, and then I'm having like a little author's commentary where I'm kind of writing about them from the perspective of three years later, from the perspective of having written this book, writing about kind of the song, and then the entry. Uh, so that's been really, really interesting. And then I uh, just started a Facebook group called Squeeze Heads okay. uh, that is similarly devoted to kind of going through uh, his oeuvre, if I can use <laughs> that word, via an audio medium this time, uh, one song at a time. And I really want to talk and think about Weird Al, listen to Weird Al. And uh, so, yeah, so please do go look at my website, Neither Room's Happy Place, where we're rerunning the webs the series. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got cool uh, merch. Well, I've got, like, T-shirts. Uh, I've got a Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota T-shirt. You can get via my Patreon, stickers, uh, very excited, mugs. You can get a Pac-Man mug uh, with uh, Philippe's awesome illustration. It's a parody of uh, Abbey Road. But yeah. With, pac-man and the ghost no that was awesome i love that picture yeah 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 so yeah uh yeah this is my website and we got all sorts of cool weird elegant content yeah uh and then yeah the book is awesome as well and it's available on yeah, ebook and on paperback awesome amazon now okay awesome. well thank you very much for uh joining us and uh we uh we'll, we'll definitely try to talk to you uh, sometime later. Maybe when you get that expanded book coming out. That sounds fantastic. Always up for it. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Great. Thanks for having uh, me, on, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.